to the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I will try to be brief in my remarks today. Uh, I believe he is from Canada. The theologian Henry Allen Ironside said, we would worry less if we praised more. We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontentment and dissatisfaction. When our hearts are directed in thanksgiving and praise towards the Lord, discontentment, dissatisfaction, worry, they all have to flee from us because our hearts are filled with gratitude towards the One who oversees everything in our lives. We are to be filled with thanksgiving, not just this time of year, but all the time. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he is writing concerning uh, the the work of uh, of the ministry, the the work of his apostleship. And uh, he says some things here that I want us to consider this morning. So um, I I was trying to to break down this reading as much as I could, but ultimately I'd like to read all 18 verses uh, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So uh, read along with me as we start in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, Therefore... Seeing we have this ministry, as we have not, excuse me, as we have received mercy, we faint not, we do not lose heart, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Listen to verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Did you hear that? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. 
For which cause we think not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We'll stop there. That's the full fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Full 18 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There is a lot in here. and We could go any different direction in considering what Paul was exhorting the Corinthians to, but I just want to make a few comments about what we see. And again, I will try to be brief this morning. Paul is remarking on his ministry and he is noting how it is that he is not disheartened by the things that he would see. And he goes on later and he lists all of those things. But he is convinced that he is carrying a gospel that has the power to change lives. He sees it as a light that can shine in darkness and one that has at its, as its source of power and of glory the very one who spoke light to shine out of darkness. Paul's hearkening all the way back to the creation of the earth when he's saying the very one that commanded the light to shine out of darkness now has illuminated us with the light that is Jesus Christ. John teaches that. John teaches in the first chapter of the book of John, the Gospel of John, he teaches us about the Word. That the Word was made flesh and the light shined among us. That we have this light of the glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that the light of the city of God, that the light of heaven is the sun. We see that the Gospel is this light that illuminates to us the glory of the sun. And he expresses it that it would be that light which would shine to us as the image of Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 6. He says that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is as though the light shines into our hearts. We see the gospel illuminated. And we see the image of God's own Son. His face there in our hearts. It's a glorious gospel. It is the light that shines in darkness. And Paul sees this light, this great hope of the gospel, as something worth, no matter what his life would, would, would entail, no matter what he might experience, he sees it as, as becoming of him to live for the sake of the gospel. He sees this gospel to matter. He sees it as something worth living for as much as he sees it worth something worth dying for. He says, if this gospel is in fact glorious, then no matter what it is that I encounter in life, I should not be disheartened, I should not faint, I should not grow weary, but I should keep pressing on, trusting that if this gospel is glorious, which it is, if this is the light that has shined into my heart to to illuminate the knowledge of God within me, and the very one who did that is the one who spoke light in its general sense into existence, then I should live for it. Then he goes on and he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Paul sees the glory of the gospel. And then he says, but we carry it in these bodies of flesh. And he's comparing it to an earthen vessel like a clay pot. Have you ever had something glass, a bowl at home, or something ceramic that you have, some, some, something that you would put water in? And 
And every once in a while, if you're like me, you go to grab a cup out of the, the, the cabinet or something and you bump something else and it falls and it what? It shatters, doesn't it? These things are fragile at their very best. They're earthen vessels. They're things that were created out of the materials of the ground. They are temporary, just like we are. They are subject to the manners of life in which they find themselves to be hard-pressed and they would shatter. They hit the ground too hard and they break. You probably have seen those different things in school where the teachers will challenge children to create a device that they can throw an egg off of some building to see if it's going to crack or not. And they'll do all that they can to, to try to, to shield that egg. But ultimately, if there's a hard enough force, it doesn't matter. That egg is going to crack, isn't it? These are temporary things. And Paul says we carry this glorious gospel in earthen vessels. And he says that we do this, we have this privilege, that the, the power of the excellency might be of God and not of us. He says we are able to carry this with the indwelling Spirit of God in us, that God might be seen instead of us. Did you hear that? that God might be seen instead of us. Are you living to be seen, or are you living for God to be seen through you? Paul says we have this gospel, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Then he goes on and he says we are troubled on every side. He's saying we are hard-pressed on every side. Picture this that would just be crushing Paul. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. He said, we are always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Paul is saying, and he's reckoning, if Jesus Christ has died, if God Himself came and took on manhood, if this God-man tasted of death for us, then it should be fitting also that we who live in Christ would experience these things that would bring us distress and hardship. He said, but if those things be so, may it be that though we would taste of this suffering for a little while, it might be for the purpose that the power of God might be made manifest in our lives. I know this morning that there are some of you who are going through distress and despair and you feel hard pressed on every side. You feel as though everyone has turned their back on you and you are lonely and you are depressed and you are worried and you are so filled with anxiety and you wonder why are these things so? How often do you hear people ask, Why does God allow bad things to happen? Paul is reasoning that all of this present suffering, all of these light afflictions, which are for but a moment, as he says in verse 17, he is reckoning that all of these things are done that we might be made more like Jesus, that others might see Jesus in us. (coughs) y'all pray for me I've battled a cold all week long but he is seeing these things to be worth it for the gospel's sake 
but not only for the gospel's sake, but for the sake of his life, that others might see the manifestation of the life of Jesus in him. And he goes on. He says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, and he quotes the psalmist who says, I believe and therefore have I spoken. He says, we also believe and therefore we speak knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. He sees these light afflictions, but are for a moment as those things which might be suffering with those things that though surely He is looking ahead, knowing He is going to taste persecution and die, as we would see Paul as, as he would go on later in Second Corinthians to record all those things that he had experienced for the Lord's sake. Yet he says, though it may be that I die for the gospel's sake, the same one whose power it was to resurrect Jesus from the dead, he will also raise us up. So he wasn't discouraged. And he wasn't in despair. But here's why he did what he did. Here's why he served the Lord. In verse 15. He says, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. He's saying, all that I do, all that would be done for the sake of the Corinthians, all that would be done for the sakes of the Christians that gather there at Corinth, all that would be done for the church would be for the purpose that God's grace might abound more and more. The idea being that more and more people would come to know the grace of the Lord and that as more and more people come to know the grace of the Lord, that more and more people would be offering thanksgiving unto the Lord. Paul said, I go and I preach the gospel that others might taste and know the grace of God that they too might turn back in thanks and in worship and in praise to the glory of God. Paul was about the business of preaching the gospel that there might be praise and worship to God the Father. (coughs) His concern was that the Lord would be rightly worshipped. That He would be the object of the thanksgiving of the people of Corinth. And I want to talk for just a few minutes. And I won't be long, I promise. My, my throat won't let me. But I want to speak just for a few minutes about your thanksgiving. As I was considering this week about being thankful, it seems to me that there are four elements that we must consider in how we offer thanksgiving. The first is that our thanksgiving must have the right direction. That is, that our thanksgiving should be Godward. We should be offering thanksgiving unto the Lord. We should be offering thanksgiving as we look behind us, as we look and we consider where it is that we have been and what it is that we have gone through and experienced. We should offer thanksgiving for where we are at, what this present moment is in our lives. And we should offer thanksgiving as we look ahead, knowing not only what awaits for us in heaven and offering thanksgiving unto the Lord for His eternal promise of salvation, but that we should also offer thanksgiving for even those temporary things that lay ahead of us here in this life. I just want to speak for just a few moments on these things here this morning. Abraham Lincoln 
was the president. He, he wasn't the one who made Thanksgiving an official holiday, but he was the first president to recognize that we ought to have a day of Thanksgiving. He did this during the Civil War. Surely he saw that the nation was suffering and he saw all the anguish of war and he declared in late October that on the last Thursday of November that there would be a celebration, a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. This day that we celebrate, the fourth Thursday of every November, was founded in its origins as a day meant to offer praise and thanksgiving to God. Yes, I know the story about the first Thanksgiving and the Indians and all of those sorts of things that we remark about. But Abraham Lincoln said, the last Thursday of November, the last Thursday of next month, may all of us set it aside as a day to offer praise and thanksgiving to God. That is the essence of where our heart should be in thanksgiving. Our heart should be centered on the Lord and offering praise and worship to Him. Paul exhorted the Colossians in the second chapter, in the sixth verse, he said, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You know, I say it all the time that it's all about Jesus. And if it's all about Jesus all the time, then that means that it must be all about Jesus when it comes to thanksgiving as well. That our lives are to be rooted in Him and that we are to be built up and established in the faith. That in these things, if we are rooted and we are established in Christ Jesus, then our praise and our thanksgiving should be directed towards Him. That our thanksgiving would be Godward. And as far as thanksgiving would be Godward, we would consider then that we would look to what He has brought us through. Paul is doing this here to some degree as he talks about being troubled on every side yet not distressed and to be perplexed and not in despair and persecuted but not forsaken and cast down but not destroyed. But later on, Paul goes through a long list. Later on in the same book of 2 Corinthians, he goes through a long list of what all he had experienced for the sake of the Lord. He went through and he talked about how three times he had been shipwrecked. (coughs) He said, I have been beaten with whips and with rods for the Lord's sake. He says, I have been cold. I have been hungry. I have been thirsty. And he says, yet all these things would would have happened to me. And he goes on into the next chapter and he says, yet when I consider all these things in my life, and I consider even the weakness, this thorn in his side that Paul remarked about that he suffered through, he said, yet in all of these things, I glory in my infirmities. Why? Because he trusted and he knew that what the Lord had for him was much greater than what he would experience here. He said, I departed, or I sought the Lord three times that He would allow this thorn in my flesh to depart from me. But He said that when He was weak, then He would be strong. That the Lord's grace was sufficient for Him. He had thanksgiving in His heart towards the Lord, no matter what it is that He had experienced. Can you imagine? 
there are some of us today who have gone through all of the storms of life and we look back and surely we can offer thankful hearts when we see all of the good things that the Lord has done. I look back and I review the history of my life and where He has brought me from and I can honor and glorify with full voice the Lord knowing what it is, what it is that He has done for me and for my life and for my family. Thank you, Luke. I've already finished one. Now I can keep going. But it's easy for us to be able to look back at all the blessings and the good things the Lord has done for us and honor Him with thanksgiving. But Paul was saying, I look back even at the things in my life that I have suffered and I offer thanksgiving to the Lord for my sufferings. Can you do that? Can you offer thanksgiving to the Lord for your sufferings? Why was Paul able to do that? Because he reasoned that if he was suffering for the Lord's sake, there must be one of two reasons that he was suffering for the Lord's sake. He was either suffering that through his sufferings, others might come to know the Lord, that others might come to be able to worship and praise the Lord with him, that the grace that he had came to know that it would abound to many others. And he said that if I suffer for that purpose, all glory and thanksgiving be to the Lord. <coughs> he said also, he said, but if this temporary distress, y'all have a mess. He said also, if this temporary distress, if this temporary affliction, this light affliction, is only that I might be made more like unto Jesus, then I will glorify the Lord for that as well. Listen, I know that there are some of you today who are suffering. My heart, it grieves with you when you grieve and it suffers with you when you suffer. But may our hearts always be filled with the encouragement of the Lord that we can still offer Him praise and worship, thanksgiving, even in our time of suffering, knowing that whether it is for the purpose of reaching someone else or that He might shape us and make us into that which He desires us to look like, into that image of Jesus that we talked about earlier, that He has some purpose for our suffering. And so may our hearts be filled with thanksgiving anyway that we would praise, honor, and glorify the Lord. So our hearts grow thankful when we consider where we have been. But we should also consider where we are at. Being in the moment, being here right now, is what provides us the opportunity to express glad hearts to the Lord. If you follow with me for a minute, you will be able to see what I mean by this. When we have a world that is so busy, and we have lives that are all the time distracted and never settled, it is impossible for us to be content. Why? Because we're always chasing something else. There's always the next thing or the thing after that or this thing that we have to be to, to get done. You know, yesterday afternoon I had just a ton of things that I needed to get done. You all can tell, obviously, I'm not feeling great. I haven't been feeling great all week. And I have a to-do list a mile long. And, and I was thinking, man, I, I need to get these things done. I knew Brother Gary was here, and, and he was working on the church. And there was a part of me that's thinking, man, he needs help. And, and all these things. And I was sitting there. You know what I ended up doing? I took my kids to a movie. 
Someone say, well, Derek, there were so many more things you could have done that would have been productive. And you're right. There were. But in that moment, I got to be content with my kids for an hour and a half and watch a silly old movie on a screen. And for a little while, all that was important was just that I was with my kids. And I got to be thankful to be a dad. To be thankful to have a little girl and a little boy that God has given me to steward, to shepherd. But not only just to steward and to shepherd those little souls that He has placed underneath my watch, but He's given them to me to enjoy. (laughs) Do you know that? God, (laughs) bless His name, He has given us this life Yes, that we might serve Him. Yes, that we might work for Him. But that we would know joy. That we would know gladness. That we would know that there are things in our life indeed to be thankful for. Not just because we know that as a matter of our minds and we say, yes, we are more fortunate than others. And yes, there are those who who don't have houses and don't have homes and don't have families. And, And we look to that and we say, yes, we're so grateful that we have these things. But we are not just to be thankful because we compare ourselves to others or we have this idea that we know we are to be thankful. We are to know the joy of God and its reality that we can offer thankfulness from a full heart by recognizing here and now that God has blessed us with this life that we can rejoice in Him for knowing Him and knowing that the good gifts of life are from Him. You see that? If there is anything that is good in my life, it is from God. The Bible says it very plain. It says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So let us be thankful here right now in this moment, not worried about everything else in life that competes for our attention, but being able to express and to know the joy that God allows us to experience here. And with thankful hearts, we will say, God, I know that bad times await me tomorrow, and I know I've still not all the way let go of that bad time or that valley that I've just experienced. But for a moment, I'm going to bask in Your goodness And I'm going to, with a glad heart and with thanksgiving, enjoy being your child. When's the last time you've done that? Let us have hearts that are thankful. Finally, we can be thankful as we look to the future. We know as we have read here and as I preach in recent weeks about being thankful as we look ahead to those things that are eternal. But not only so are we able to be thankful as we look to eternity that is beyond us, but we can be thankful as we look to the future that we have here. I'm excited about what lies in front of my life. Today's my birthday. I'm 35 years old today. The psalmist is correct in that the span of life would be three score and ten, or by manner of blessing, four score. And that puts me right about the midpoint of life. 
I hope that I have the energy to make it through the second half. But if that's the case, I've got a lot to look forward to. Because I've got more time to serve the Lord here. I've got more time to try to do my very best to live my life for Him. To discharge the duty of my life that He has put in front of me with a glad heart and with thanksgiving to live for His glory. He has given callings to me in life. He has called me to be a husband to my wife Tiffany. It was a calling that is not a temporary calling, but it is one that leads all the way up to death. And so I get to serve out to that calling for the rest of my life. He has given me three souls to shepherd and to watch over, to steward their lives. And I've got the rest of my life at least to be able to do that. (coughs) He has called me here into Faith Church. He has called me to be a member of this body, to be with you people. United with you as one body in Christ Jesus. And He has different desires for us as His church that we would go out, that we would first and foremost worship the Lord, but that we would evangelize and and reach those around us. That we would encourage one another and build up one another, edifying each other. And I get to do that with all of you people. That's wonderful. He has called me to serve as your under-shepherd, to serve as your pastor. And so I have a calling and a responsibility here that as long as the Lord allows me to to have this burden that I get to to serve you, to try to help you in some way, to to lead you, but only as together we follow Christ. I get to look ahead not just to eternity, but I get to look ahead to tomorrow and to next week into next year, that as long as the Lord continues to tarry His coming, that the Lord has a calling and a purpose for me here in this life. And I can be thankful for that. Tomorrow, I might face tragedy that makes the rest of my life a burden that I just can't hardly push through. But if so, it will be to the glory of God. And I can look ahead with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of hope to the things that lie in front of me. I know that there is so much as we look to the world around us and we say, Derek, how can you be hopeful about the future? Do you not see the things that are going on in our country? Oh, I do. And you're right. They're growing blacker and darker, it seems like, by the minute. But did you know that as the world around us grows darker, that that light that Paul talks about, it shines more brightly in the darkness? And so I just have more and more opportunity to let my light so shine before men. We as a church have more and more opportunity to be that city that is set on a hill. (laughs) a ray of light, a beacon of hope in a world filled with despair.
So I'm thankful today to the Lord, not just for what I see in my rearview mirror, not just for this present moment, that He's given me strength enough for today, given me voice enough to, to make it through this sermon. But I can look ahead with thankfulness in my heart. God, I don't know what it's going to hold. I worry about it sometimes. It might have hardship for me. I don't know. But whatever is in store for me, I know that the God of today and the God of yesterday is the same God of tomorrow. And so with thanksgiving in my heart, I can praise the Lord with fullness, knowing truly, truly, that as the book of Chronicles tells us, that His mercy endures forever. I'll close with what Paul later on told the Colossians. He said, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body. And be thankful. Be thankful. I thank you for listening to me. My struggles included. But I pray that the Lord might bless His message. Something on your heart.